0: Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. And I think I I prefer to say that in in the collective, right? It is grace that brought us this far, and grace will lead us home. While there may be many challenges behind us, We are aware that there will be many challenges ahead of us. That is the nature of this life. There is a time coming when all of those challenges will be gone forever. But the nature of this life is a life filled with challenges. Flipping the calendar from one year to another provides an opportunity for us to reflect upon the good that we have received and the challenges that we have endured. And it also provides an opportunity to look upon the upcoming year with anticipation. Undoubtedly, we will encounter many samplings of God's good grace. It will continue to come wave after wave like the waves of the ocean. This is who God is. No matter what we face, good and challenging, we will face those matters with God, with us, with God in us, and with God for us. This is good news. It's the reality of life of those who have been rescued by a glorious God who has made us His children. The confidence we have is that we will always be under His care if we were to turn to a new year with anticipation of all sunshine and butterflies, uh, we would be ready for some grand surprises. And those surprises would rattle and shake us. On the other hand, as we look ahead, we can expect both good and challenging items will come our way. And we can be sure that both of these The good and the challenging come from a good God who cares for us. Every day, in that regard, is the same. The Lord reigns. And He allows His people to endure good and challenging. So, with that reality that we know we're in the midst of every day, this day is no different than yesterday in that regard, God has equipped us for this battle. He has not left us to fend for ourselves as though we can do something that will alleviate our stress and and, and pressure and, and help us to navigate through our challenges successfully. He has equipped us with His armor so that He will enable us to endure through whatever we face. We read already the text of Scripture for us this morning, but I want to reread it again, uh, and we'll be kind of working our way through it a little bit through this morning. And this is all to prepare ourselves to celebrate the Lord's table together. So as you're thinking through what God reveals in this text, think of it in a way to lead us toward our celebration or participation in the Lord's table together verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6 It says finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might put on the whole armor of God that he may that excuse me that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities So as we look at this text, in light of what we face, both good and challenging in this life, we recognize that God has given us some wonderful instructions that can help us to recognize His fight for us, His battle for us. And the first concept, we started this a little bit on Wednesday night, we had a little um, uh, precursor to what we're going to talk about this morning, this last Wednesday night. So we're going to kind of look a little bit at what we talked about Wednesday night for those of you that were here um, and just in review. The first concept that we want to see from this text is this. Our defense depends upon the dominion-producing strength of God. I know that sounds like a, word, a lot of words. But verse 10 is so beautiful. He tells us, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. The idea of being strong has the idea of putting on clothing. The same word is used in the book of Luke chapter 24 when Jesus says, wait here, I'm going to send you the Spirit of God and then you will be endued with power from on high. You'll be clothed with power from on high. So that's the same concept. Be strong. A strength that comes from outside of us And he clarifies it here in this text. Be strong in the Lord. And then he says, in the power of His might. And he uses the word kratos. Kratos is a dominion producing power. Dominion meaning rulership, sovereignty. So he says, be strong in me and in the strength or dominion that's produced by my power. The concept there is this. Whatever you face, if you try to face it with your strength, you will find your strength coming to an end. It will not, it will not rescue you. On the other hand, God provides a strength that cannot be challenged. His kingdom is from everlasting to everlasting. His reign continues in every generation. So no matter what we face, we face this with God's dominion-producing power. So he says, the, the, the battle that you're facing, you're not facing alone. Can you see that concept? So our strength or our defense does not depend upon our power, but the power produced by God. Secondly, as we move a little further in the text, our defense is lived out on earth, but our defense is a heavenly battle. So here we are. We're talking about this battle. He's telling us to put on this This armor in the text. There's something going on. And so often, when you and I face challenges in our lives, we like to use our little pointer fingers and say, here's the reason why. It's because this person did that, and that person did that. This one neglected to do something. And as a result of that, I have all these problems. Well, this text wants to let us know. God wants to let us know that those pointing fingers are not going to be very helpful to you. Look at verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. As you think about this just for a moment, Are there times that people are a challenge to you? If you say no, then you're lying, right? See, all of us are confronted with challenging people, and sometimes we're challenging people toward others. So to say that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood is not the end of that conversation. He says the real battle lies beyond the flesh and blood. We might sometimes encounter a battle that is in flesh and blood. In fact, it might even be in our own household, whether it be husband to wife, wife to husband, parent to child, child to parent, right? Or child to child, sibling challenges. All of these possibilities, they all take place in all of our homes. None of us are exempt from that. None of us live in perfect peace and harmony every minute of the day with those around us. Right? All right, it's not just me. So there are wrestling things that take place from person to person. But this text is letting us know. God is letting us know that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's just what you see. There's a much more significant battle that's going on beyond it. He talks about these angelic wars taking place in the heavenly places. So this kind of seems like like way out there. Kind of strange stuff going on. But the reality is there's significance to what God is telling us here about this battle that goes on beyond the surface, beyond the people that we're looking in the eye, or beyond the people that we won't any longer look in the eye. The battle is much more significant. There's something going on in the spiritual realm that God wants to make us aware of. And the the reason that this is so significant is the Bible tells us that all of our blessings reside in the heavenly places. In the same book that he's writing this about this war going on in the heavenly places with these angelic beings, in chapter 1 in verse 3, he says that all of our spiritual blessings are in the heavenly places. Not only that, we've been told that our Savior is seated in, in the heavenly places. And the, and the text in chapter 1 in verse 21, I believe it is, says that he is far above all might and dominion or rule and authority and power and dominion. He's above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And so I think it's important for us to recognize the next time, like in an hour or so, you're having some kind of a conflict with someone face to face, there's something more significant going on than just whatever, you know, who took the biggest piece of prime rib. Here I am on talking about steak again, but I am going to be putting a uh, a piece of roast with bones in it on my smoker this afternoon, going into tonight, and there are going to be more more than eight people in my household trying to get that steak from me. <laughs> and one of them might try to take the best piece. And what I need to remember is. There's something more significant than that piece of steak sitting on the plate. There's something more significant because what's going on here, all of our lives, the life of the church, God's people, is being seen and watched from angelic hosts. Whatever that means to you, there are, there are enemies of the cross of Christ, demonic sources looking, and there are also God's elect angels looking, beholding God's glory. All of this is going on, and we don't see any of it. We don't see any of it. So while our defense and our lives are lived out in this fleshly, um, tangible earth that we we feel and smell and, and taste and see, all of these things, there's something going on beyond that 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 we're being made aware of in this text so our our defense is lived out on earth but there's something going on in the heavens thirdly as we move a little further and I think as we get to the more significant elements here our defense is not our own righteousness wisdom or strategy in verses 13 through 17 he lays out these these strategies of how to deal with the things we're enduring, the things we're experiencing. He tells us in verse 13 to stand. He says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. When is the evil day that he's referring to? It's just the things that we're experiencing now. While it's still not the, the, the time in which we live directly in the presence of the Lord. That's the day of Christ that's to come. We live in this evil day. He says, You may be able to stand in this evil day and having done all to stand firm. What does he tell us to do in order to do that? Stand therefore, verse 14, having fastened on the belt of truth. He's talking to us about something that we can put on. It's not something we own, something we can take from outside and put on us. He's not literally telling us to wrap on some kind of a truth belt. He's telling us that we have a truth available to equip us for the battle. You know, it's common in our day and age to talk about, you know, that's your truth. That's my truth. Finding your truth. This text isn't talking about finding your truth. This text is talking about recognizing God's truth. That which really is. Not that which you conceive of, but that which really is. Is truth, and why is that significant? Well, he's going to tell us some some wonderful truths that that we need that will actually equip us when we're facing bombardment. Whatever you face this year, there'll be relational challenges for sure. You could have financial challenges for sure. It's possible you might have some health challenges. Um, there, there are all manner of of directions that that we are faced with battling and bombarding. To equip yourself, to be equipped for that battle is vitally important. To to put on truth, to recognize God's truth is vitally important. There are going to be times that you'll face something and feel unloved. Unloved or uncared for, unseen, unheard Like the psalmist would pray, God, where are you? I'm I'm crying out to you. Why won't you answer me? You'll feel unheard or uncared for. And the reality is when we recognize who God is from the Scriptures, we know that that's not reality. Just because I feel a certain way doesn't make that true. Putting on truth helps us to recognize, well, I might not feel or sense something, but I know something. I know something. What is that? God is with me. God is in me. God is for me. In the worst of scenarios. And in the best of scenarios. He moves beyond the putting on the belt of truth and he says, and having uh, fastened on, verse uh, 14, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's an interesting expression. God tells us to put on truth, not your truth but his and then put on righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. So the question that has to come up is, is this your righteousness you're putting on for your protection? Let me ask you this question. I'll ask the follow-up question. If it's your righteousness that you're putting on for protection, how safe do you feel? That wouldn't be a whole lot of protection, now would it? Because you, like the rest of us, ebb and flow ebb and flow. There are times you see God's righteous hand at work in you and through you. And there are times you see your unrighteous hand at work in you and through you. So if that is a, an ebb and flow, how confident do you feel? Well, today I was really, really righteous and so I feel really, really safe. And to- tomorrow I feel really, really unrighteous because I'm doing really, really unrighteous things and so I feel really, really unsafe how safe is that if if it's about you you're going to have this ebb and flow constantly about whether you think the lord is going to protect you or not but this text is not telling you to put on strap on your own righteousness he's telling you to put on a breastplate that will actually protect you the righteousness of christ that's received as a gift from him the bible tells us in isaiah 64:6 We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. There is a filthy rag, in other words. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. On the other hand, Paul's testimony about the righteousness that he clings to in Philippians chapter 3, Look at this, these uh, words in verse 9. let me be on the screens to my left and right. He says, And I want to be found in Him not having a righteousness of My own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Now, when, when you have protecting your chest, your heart, and your lungs the perfect, unrepro- or uh, unreproachable righteousness of Christ, does that give you confidence that you'll be safe against any attack that might come your way? You feel unloved. Yeah, but I know that God's for me. How do I know? Because God granted me the righteousness of Christ. He gave this to me as a gift. I might not feel righteous. I might not say a righteous word at a particular moment? My deed in a particular moment might not be righteous? Does that change the righteousness of Christ that's been granted to me? It doesn't. This, This armor that God grants to us is not put on your armor. He says put on the whole armor of God. Whose truth is it? His truth. Whose righteousness is it? His righteousness. And it's safe. It's safe. So we have the strategies of preparing ourselves for what we face by being reminded of who God is and what God has provided in Christ. This keeps us safe. So, with that being said, I want to just take another step further. Um, the, The reality that we're understanding is we cannot stand on our own. This text is telling us to stand, to stand, to stand firm. But we cannot stand on our own. So we have to recognize this. Our defense rests fully upon the gospel. Our defense rests fully upon the gospel. We're going to read verses 14 to 17 one more time to try to let this wash through us and prepare us as we celebrate the Lord's table. Verse 14 So, we talked already about the truth. We talked already about the righteousness of Christ. I want to share with you one quote from um, Martin Lloyd Jones. Hopefully, I put it on there. I did. Good. Almost forgot. Uh, verse uh, Martin Lloyd Jones made this statement about that breastplate of righteousness there is only one protection, namely the righteousness of Christ, not our integrity, but the righteousness of God, which is by faith through Jesus imputed, imparted, justification by faith. So we've got the truth of God, and we have the breastplate of righteousness, God's righteousness through Christ, and then we have these shoes in verse 15. Shoes for your feet. We all like a good pair of shoes. You don't want to know how many pairs of shoes are in my house. There are seven of us, and a few people in my house love shoes. They have more shoes individually, probably, than our whole family needs collectively. Uh, So we all love a good pair of shoes. I like these shoes. They're nice and comfortable. Super stylish. Say, ooh, ah. Yeah, don't. Uh, Shoes. They're helpful for standing. They're helpful for walking. They're helpful for running. But they give us traction for our feet. Um, one of the things that they used to do in in war back in the first century is they would they would stick little spikes in the ground so that when people would and, and then would camouflage them so people would be walking around and as soon as they step down, they're um, they're sticking a spike through their foot. How effective are you if you don't have a base in your operation? Like if if you can't stand, you're not very effective in defending yourself. Well, God tells us the way that we defend ourselves is with the readiness or preparation that is given through the gospel of peace. The readiness or the preparedness that's given, provided to us through the gospel of peace. I find the expressions that God chooses to use here to be very helpful. First of all, preparation. He's preparing us for whatever we face so we can stand. But it's given, that's received, through the Gospel of peace. We're talking about conflict in Ephesians chapter 6, right? That's why you're putting on armor. There's conflict coming your way. And the way that many fight conflict is with what? Conflict. You're coming at me? Well, I'm going to come back at you. I'm going to do my self-defense move and then I'm going in. The best defense is a good offense. The best offense is a good defense. I don't know. They all say something different. depends on what your particular cup of tea is from a strategy standpoint. But um, here we are, ready to stand, coming at us, feet prepared, and what we, what we dispense is not a gospel of offense but a gospel of peace I think one of the challenges that can come as we see the world around us find, following a trajectory that we feel to be unhealthy is to like be biting and fighting and contrasting and speaking challenging words against everything that runs counter to what we believe. That doesn't sound like a gospel of peace. That sounds like a gospel of offense. Offense. One of the phrases that we've tried to reiterate as a church is we want the world to know who we are for, not what we are against. There are things that that are hurtful and harmful to people. And in being for them, we might point that out to them. But the reputation of the church is that we're against people. And the reality is, we couldn't be any more for people than we are. Our whole goal is to offer to people who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Come. And see the mercy and grace and kindness and patience of Jesus. If you were to come and move toward Him and see what He's like, it's your your resistance, many times it melts away. Just read the Gospels and watch who is flocking to Jesus and who is fighting against Him. The sinners and publicans and the drunkards were not the ones fighting against Jesus and His ministry. It was the Pharisees fighting against Jesus and His ministry. The publicans and sinners and drunkards were coming to Him to receive forgiveness and mercy and kindness. He is truly, in the Scriptures, gentle and lowly. One who provides His Burden is light. His yoke is easy. He says, Come to me. And as we go forth in this world, we're constantly bombarded by all kinds of things, and it's easy to get our dander up, isn't it? You ever find your adrenaline start to kick up when you read a certain thing or someone says a certain thing? Your dander can get up, and you're like, Oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to fight against that. God has told you to stand. With the gospel of peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He came to deal the first time with sin once and for all. He's provided forgiveness for those that will come to Him. And so we dispense the gospel of peace. These shoes give us a stability, an ability to stand in the midst of chaos. He goes on in verse. Sixteen, He says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which we can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So everything, these things are coming at us fast and furious. And God says, hold this thing that I'm giving to you. Hold this thing up and, and, and it's, it's able to absorb every single dart. Let me ask you a question about faith. Where does faith come from? It's a gift that God gives. This is something else God provides for us. So when he tells us to take it, he's telling us to take up this shield of faith, he's telling us to take that which he provides. Think about it this way. When you think about the fruitful demonstration of the Spirit, we call it the fruit of the Spirit. Will you say them with me? If, if you, we're going to say them in different versions. It's the way, it's the way it goes. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. That is a gift received. Take up the shield of faith. How do I get that faith? It comes from him to, to take it a step further. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 13, it says this for by great for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned, given, given. God gives faith. If you need faith? Are you going to muster it up from inside? You're going to muster it up? You're going to figure it out. How do we get faith? I know someone that can give it. <laughs> if you're struggling? Say, Lord, I'm struggling. How about that one? Lord, I, I don't, I'm really having a hard time believing. Lord, help me believe. Remember the guy that came to Jesus? He says, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. This is good. He went to the right person who can provide exactly what he needs. So here you are, bombarded by all kinds of things on a daily basis. God says, take up my faith. Take up the shield of faith. I'll give it to you. How do I get it? Lord, I need it. Help me. Take up the whole armor of God. You will be able to stand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. He goes on and he says in verse 17, take up the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. We're talking about protecting your coconut. It's kind of important. I don't have a lot of protective layers left on my coconut. Take something... To protect, is this as valuable an item as you have? I'm not talking about the money maker. I'm talking about the thing in between your <laughs> in between your uh, temples, your your brain that causes everything else to function. Right? What is what is it that's going to protect my my head? The salvation given to me by God. The source of our salvation is of utmost importance. The salvation spoken of here in this, with this helmet has been purchased by the life, crucifixion, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just a few scripture passages will be on the screens in First Peter 2. It says, "...he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth." When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Later on in the same book, in 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 18, it says, "...for Christ also suffered once for sins." The righteous for the unrighteous that He might bring us to God. Salvation. Not attained by my efforts. Attained through the work of Christ. A gift given. Given by God. And being made aware. Being reminded. Reminding ourselves about the gifts given by God of His truth of His righteousness, of shoes for our feet that, that speak the words of peace, of a helmet that provides for our head and a shield that provides for everything that comes our way. All of these are gifts of God. And he just take up the sword of the Spirit. Jesus was bombarded with temptation after temptation in his earthly ministry. One particular time, it tells us about 40 days that he was fasting and Satan was tempting him the whole time. We are only aware of three of them, but he was being tempted the whole time. We see the three examples that, that um, Matthew provides for us in Matthew chapter 4. And, and what Jesus does is he counters each one of those difficulties, temptations, with a specific Passage of Scripture, the sword of the Spirit. It's a protection, but where does that Scripture come from? From God. Where do I access it? Right here in front of me. God has given us what we need. You're gonna, I don't know what you're going to face this year. I can know it's it's going to be some wonderful things that you'll experience. There are things I'm looking forward to in this year, and there are some challenges that that await all of us. There are some things I'm not looking forward to. I'm sure that you have similar circumstances but in all of it God has provided for us and how do we stand how can we make ourselves stand can I make myself stand or am I relying on someone who can make me stand I think that's that's where we can enter into this year either with uncertainty if we're trying to make ourselves stand or with certainty if we recognize that God is the one that makes us stand, there's a passage of scripture. I want to just, if you'll take a moment, I know I've said a lot of words. Take a moment, take a deep breath in. Listen now to Jude verses 24 and 25. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. To Him who is able to keep you from stumbling. See, the, the armor of God isn't about me honing my skills. The armor of God is about me seeing more clearly a faithful God who fights for me. The battle is the Lord's.